this is the uh, population for the Chilean and uh, we disturbed our vulnerability of video recorded. I'm hearing remotely about uh, that means that all votes moving by roll call votes. And we always start with a moment appreciating our groups that are serving our country. Our first uh, item is a public hearing. So this is license restaurants. Hello, hello. Somebody has sound down Thank you. Well, I'm well, Tom, Tom Merrill. I've been in the solar business for about four years. I've sold solar Medway, Millis, Franklin, Norfolk, and I'm interested in doing the same here in Redfield. Thank you. Oh, oh, just just uh, uh, no more no working, working hours, hours, you know, you know eight, eight in the morning, morning eight thirty till, till uh, usually do it until uh, uh, so, uh, dusk, dusk. So, so you know, you six know, six thirty. Thirty. Is it don't don't much later than that? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Monday, Monday through Saturday. Saturday. Thank you. Oh, um, well, well, quite frankly, frank, I love the perimeter for a year. year. Uh, uh, Franklin, Franklin gives them four year, year, year Medway gives them six months. I mean, it's just a, it's just an inconvenience to have to keep coming back. But so for as long as you guys, um, as long as you give them, you know, as historically have given them or, um, or a year, please. We typically have been doing three months, right? I think we've been doing three months. Yeah, yeah. three. We, we've been doing three, and if, if there's no issues, a renewal uh, without you having to be present. Right. And it's just being fair to this. There's been okay. probably five presentations in the last year. Yeah. yeah. Going for a year, the problem is people coming in for licenses. It's it's going to be hard for us to remember who we've authorized, and then sometimes they disappear for months, and all of a sudden somebody comes, they start again, and then people go, "Who is this?" And say, like, "I don't remember." <coughs> so. But, but the idea of there's no complaints, being able to renew it without having to show up, I think that's fine. I appreciate that, thank you. And Tom, is it just you? Yes, just me. Okay. And then you check in with the uh, the chief and the team. Every town out. is different. A lot of towns, uh, you, you call in, simply uh, report to the, you know, the police department, the dispatcher that you're gonna be at a, in a given area and roughly the times that you expect to be there. And Having said that, I could swear we've given somebody from Sunrun Solar a license within the last six months. I, not that that's a problem, but I thought we had already. I need to go back. And look. This is why you don't do it for a year because it's like I could, <laughs> you I, may I, have. So okay. when you work for Sunrun, you're not exclusive. You don't have exclusive proximity to an area. Okay. So. And but you're also not. You don't coordinate. No. 
Oh, so you guys are independent contractors Absolutely. and yep. oh wow, okay. Okay. happens to be, I just saw a Sunrun solar car at the center of town last week. Perhaps that was yours. <laughs> You'll see a lot of them. I mean, where they're, okay. they're, where Sunrun's the largest in the country, so it's okay. uh, almost a million uh, residential installs. So okay. okay, publicly traded company and okay. New York Stock Exchange. So it's not a, we do a good job. Good. Any more questions there in the room? No, I'm good. Ah, okay, motion. No, I, we just need you to close the hearing first. I think that was clear the hearing closed. Is that what we're doing? Correct. Am I good? Hearing closed. We have a motion. Okay. So I motion to approve the solicitor's license request from Tom Amaro for Sunrun Solar. Second. Oh, sorry. Okay. So uh, let me just give a little edit there, Pete. Uh, Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to sunset for a three-month period. Good. Yeah, oh, okay. you put, yes. Yeah, I'm pointing him too, though. <laughs> Second. All those in favor, then we do a roll call vote. Uh, Aye. Aye. Thank you for coming, sir. Thank you very Thank much. Thank you, Tom. Have a nice evening, everybody. Next, we have the chief director to discuss a uh, request for provisions to work for the surgeon for the following offices. Pete, do you think you can get closer to your microphone? We're having a problem hearing you here. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. How are you? <laughs> Good evening. Uh, so this is a, an exciting day for our department. We should say that. It's a really joyous kind of occasion when we do these types of things. I would like to explain why I'm here and the reason for it. Uh, this is a little bit different from a typical promotion. Uh, as you know, uh, or may have heard from the last warrant committee meeting, um, we do all of our promotional testing with civil service. Uh, Unfortunately, this last year, they had one of their promotional tests challenged in court and they lost uh, the hearing. As a result, they had to nullify their list for promotions and are currently unable to produce another test um, at this time. So it's leaving a lot of agencies and I feel terribly for my colleagues who put the time and effort, six months studying, just to see that thing squandered away. Uh, but it's putting departments like ours in a position where we really need first-line leadership. Um, your supervisors, your sergeants are the people that um, impress my vision down to the patrolmen and ensure that that's met and that the community's goals are met. Um, we don't have that leadership right now and we don't have an ability to uh, take a test. So what I'm requesting this evening is something that is permitted by civil service. It's called a provisional promotion. Uh, the promotion itself uh, is just what it says. It is only for the time period until which a test can be administered. At that time, uh, any of the officers who are provisionally promoted would have to pass the test and finish in the top in order to uh, take that rank. Otherwise, the rank is rescinded at that point. Um, we do have the option of trying to put together our own outside testing company to do the test. It's extremely expensive. 
Um, there is a time frame for which we want our officers to be able to study. And the second part of that, and I think where my, some of my reluctance comes from, is if the courts have just determined one testing process to have a disparate impact on certain groups, then I'd like to see a good test kind of get through mm -hmm. and, and beat that challenge before we make a, a town investment or a budgetary investment. Um, so this evening, the three officers that I'm going to request provisional motions to are three people who, through their uh, work performance, uh, kind of peer review and my observations, I think um, have the experience and appreciation for what this town and this job has, uh, what it needs. Um, the first person is going to be Officer Wayne Salali. Wayne Salali graduated the police academy in 1995. He came to us in 2007. He has an associate's degree in criminal justice. Wayne is a certified MPTC instructor and regularly teaches uh, in service for veteran officers, as well as our firearms, less lethal first aid and CPR instructor. Uh, as you may recall, Wayne recently won the life-saving life medal uh, for his very heroic actions that he took at a motor vehicle collision up on South Street oh, Extension. Right, right, right. The second candidate I propose to you this evening would be Officer Joshua Souza. Officer Souza graduated the police academy in 2013. He came to us in 2001. He has an associate's degree and is currently working on his bachelor's degree for criminal justice. Officer Souza is an Eagle Scout and also the recipient of the Medal of Valor for his participation um, at a uh, tragic uh, officer-involved shooting at a prior police department. Uh, is one of the highest honors that can be given. Uh, the third candidate is Officer Ledbetter. Officer Ledbetter had actually applied for this police department uh, previous to when he was selected. He did not meet the civil service requirement for residency by one month. He had been in the town for 11 months and we were unable to hire him as a result of that one month non-residency. Uh, he did apply with us a second time and came to us in 2020. Uh, prior to that, he worked at the Norfolk County Sheriff's Office. Officer Ledbetter also has a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. So at this time, I would respectfully request that the board give us some frontline leadership, and I'm happy to answer any questions you might have. Uh, my main comment is I've been uh, interested in seeing the leadership ranks get filled in in the police department for some time now. So I'm delighted that uh, you all are willing to serve in that capacity and uh, definitely impressed with the background. So glad to, glad to see you here tonight. Uh, I will echo the same sentiment. I'm thrilled for you gentlemen. Um, and I can, hopefully I can say this, like the fact that Garrett, you're staying on board. I'm thrilled. That says volumes of uh, where, where the department's going. And I'm, I'm really happy for the three gentlemen here tonight. And it's an honor uh, to have you here. And I just appreciate everything you do for the town and know that the town genuinely appreciates everything you do, the time, the, the, the hours, the, the, the attitude, the, the way you present the town is just that you genuinely appreciate it. Thanks, Ronald. Uh, just following on and agree with my colleagues. I can't see the three of you there. Sorry uh, that I didn't recognize the three of you there in the room. Um, thank you for uh, being part of the Metro Police Department, and I'm happy to support it myself. Uh, anything, anything further? 
Uh, if I could just ask uh, one at a time, is that a vote then? Did you have to vote? Mm -hmm. Yes, we'll get it. All right, so I motion, should I use, use the correct wording here? All right. Uh, for picture taking opportunities, we're gonna do one at a time. It's a good reason. <laughs> All right, so we'll go with the first motion for the provisional promotion to Sergeant Salal, uh, do I want me to say the full name or just officer? Wayne Salal. Okay, Wayne Salal. Um, Wayne, if you'd like to step up. Well, you have to have a second. Okay, that's what I was waiting for. Roll call vote. Uh, Mr. Burrow. Aye. 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 Mr. So a motion for provisional promotion to Sergeant Joshua Souza. Second. Aye. He drove all the way up.
All right. So I motion a provisional promotion to sergeant for Garrett Ledbetter. Second. Aye. Aye. By the third one. <laughs> I get Awesome. Congratulations. Yep, just a couple quick things. Thank you so much. It's so important for our people to have career growth and opportunity. And I just appreciate the board's willingness to kind of recognize that we need this position right now and, and uh, give give these three the opportunity. Oh, awesome. Yeah. I, I want I want to know who the recruit is that we've got I know, in the wings here. I love the little here. guy in the back. <laughs> Listen, that's your next chief right there. <laughs> I love it. So on March 23rd, the Pedestrian and Traffic Safety Advisory Board, I did manage to get that out. That was a big one. Uh, met to discuss some of our agenda items. Uh, first and foremost, I do want to thank the community for their patience with this. Uh, we hadn't had a meeting in a while as we kind of figured out who our new members were going to be. Um, so again, it took us a little bit of time, so I appreciate the community um, understanding that we were going through a process. And I also want to thank the committee itself because it was a very long meeting. Um, uh, during our uh, meeting, we did uh, discuss a plethora of items and have a couple of recommendations, and maybe some information for the board. Uh, one of the requests placed um, on the agenda was a request for a stop sign at Adams Street where it intersects with cottage, and I'm finally gonna break down and ask, is it vinyled, vinyled? Vinyl. Vinyl. Vinyl, thank you. Um, where it also meets at cottage. Uh, the request stemmed from a motor vehicle accident that had occurred there. Hmm. Truthfully, the intersection itself wasn't a contributing factor with the uh, collision. It was actually an operator error issue. Um, and we don't have a tremendous amount of accidents there, but what the board unanimously agreed, or the committee unanimously, unanimously agreed, was that the location itself does lend itself to believing that both parties can cross over. So Adams has kind of a little jog to go to Cottage, yes. I'm sorry, to go to Vinyl, and then Cottage comes through. Because it's an area that's very narrow roadways, a lot of homes close together and right near the schools. Yep. We just thought that this was one of the times to err in the side of caution. And I am going to request, as was recommended, that stop signs be placed at both Adams, where it intersects with Cottage, and Vinyl, where it intersects with Cottage. 
I, uh, you know, before I ever moved to Medfield, I'd never lived anywhere that had so many uncontrolled intersections. And when I first moved in, it was the West Mill Harding Street intersection. I think one of the very first times I came down West Mill, I said, hey, there's no stop sign. This is weird. It's a T intersection, but I guess I've got the right of way. And fortunately, I realized that probably that was a bad assumption with the car that was coming up Harding Street that didn't <laughs> slow down. After a while, you get used to certain intersections not have, you, you kind of know that's what we've done. But to be honest, anybody who, like me, that came in from out of town, I can see they're pro we probably aren't better off with a whole lot of intersections being uncontrolled. So to me, if that's something that would help reduce confusion uh, at a time when we probably have more traffic uh, than we have years ago, that, that makes sense to me. Oh, same here. I know the intersection. I know it well. And it, it is a funny little jog that you could think that it's one continuous road. And especially as a, somewhat of a blind view because you're coming up over the, the railroad tracks from, from uh, Ferry Street. So it makes sense. <clears throat> All right, so motion to add stop sign at Adams as it intersects with Cottage and a stop sign at Vinyl as it intersects with Cottage. Second. Uh, Aye. Aye. Thank you. And the next couple of things are just some updates for you. Um, as you know, we've tried to identify, the, well, we did identify several streets in town that are greatly affected by pedestrian activity and cyclist activity. So we spoke about Pine Street, Phillips Street, and Causeway Street. Um, these are all kind of similar in their design, narrow winding roadways, um, and they are heavily used by uh, pedestrian and cyclist traffic. So the committee kind of as a group decided this was a much bigger conversation than a single meeting that was full of agenda items was going to be able to address. Uh, so we discussed breaking down kind of each area and addressing it individually, particularly on Causeway. Um, Causeway just has you know a, the area up by the trails, and then a couple of straightaways. So each area kind of has a different need. Mm -hmm. um, at this point in time, we did have uh, we had a. Uh, Director Goulet put together a couple of signs just to identify where the trail entrances are. We are recommending to the board um, to put some line painting on the street, just as another verb, uh, visual cue for people to recognize that there are trails entering and exiting uh, onto the roadway. Uh, so that would be the first recommendation. Um, I don't actually think, it's not a crosswalk, so I don't think we need approval. It's not, not a crosswalk, it's yep, just gonna be some, some signage. Um, and the second thing is we're looking at the sign placement at North and 109 for right turn after stop. Uh, we were in agreement that the placing of the sign being across from the street is a kind of a wide intersection and the crosswalk is pretty far off to the right. Mm -hmm. So to see that sign there doesn't really alert a driver that they're going to be taking a right and that there's a crosswalk they have to be paying attention to. So the recommendation of the board was to move that sign forward so that they could see it and potentially clarify that it's right turn lane after stop. Mm -hmm. To do that for both um, North Street turning right onto 109 and 109 turning right onto North. Okay. So when you say move forward, right now it's across the intersection, like in front of the bank, I'm thinking of the North to 109, it's across 
the street in yes. front of the bank, when you say moving it forward to that to corner to on the other side of 109? Yes. So that oh, as you're okay. approaching the light, you see it right there. Exactly. So okay. when you're going to take that sure. turn. Okay. Works for me. Right. Yep. Those are the only two updates. That are right. So we, we don't have to vote on that. That's just going to happen. Can we, or do we have to vote on it? Uh, I think a vote would be nice. Before, before we do that, I want to go back to the, the not crosswalk that's paint on the road. That was a new one on me. Yes. So what will the paint be that's not a crosswalk? <laughs> We're just looking at doing potentially a solid color, just identify the entrance. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. A crosswalk, as you know, would require a ton of ADA compliance, mm -hmm. and we would have to have that marked differently. So this was more just to signal that there's a trail entrance. Yeah, okay. it's just to, to alert drivers that there may be people within that area coming out of the trailhead, and there'll be some new signage and alerting people to those trails as well. Okay. Okay. Works for me. Okay. So I can go with motion to street painting. Yeah. Was that Pete? Yes, please. Oh. Uh, so motion street painting to indicate trail entrance on Noon Hill, as well as uh, motion to re re okay. relocate. That would be the word I'm looking for. Um, better sign placement for right turn after stop at Main and North intersection. One quick question: Is the that crosswalk the one to the trail on Noon Hill? Or is it the crosswalk on Causeway where the trail goes across Causeway? Or is it both? Oh, gosh, I have to go back uh, to It's Causeway. It's Causeway. It's yeah, Causeway. It's, so it's yeah. Causeway, it's not, causeway not Noon Hill. Yeah. I don't think Noon Hill isn't paved. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. You're right. Where the entrances yeah. are, that's it's dirt. It's Causeway. Which, yeah. uh, so yeah. we're going to restate that as uh, motion to street paint to indicate trail entrances on Causeway? Right. Yes, please. Uh, you finished? <laughs> Second. Second again? Okay. <laughs> and and to relocate uh, the sign for the right-hand turn after stop at Main and North Intersection. Second. And uh, select board member Murphy. Aye. Select board member Murphy. Aye. He is aye as well. So that is broken. Chief, I would ask uh, maybe sometime you might take a look at the right turn. Uh, when you're on 109 at South Street by Brothers Market, there's never been a right turn on red there. I always thought there, there probably could be. You can go right can on go red right from on red south there. to 109. You just can't go right on red from 109 go. to south. Right. Yeah. Coming out of south, you can do the right turn, Pete, if that's what you're I talking about. I believe the law makes the turn. I'm talking about when you're Brothers Market. There is one that says south. Uh, no, you can't yeah, go right one, from 109 onto south. Correct. Right. right. That one I think would be problematic if you wanted to make that one a right turn on red because there's park, there's cars that park all the way up to. The, I, I'm not a traffic safety person, but driving that, I can see why there wasn't one there because the parking goes all the way up to the corner. Mm -hmm. um, you understand the argument to do it, but I can see why that one might not be. Uh, I would put that in your hands and your yeah. department's hands to evaluate yeah. whether that makes sense or not. Uh, we can certainly put it on the next agenda. Absolutely. And I just wanted to point out, um, as you may have recalled, I talked about my officers. Some of them had asked to grow beards. Um, they volunteered to uh, do the Special Olympics, and they did that this past Friday. 
Um, they had a fa fantastic time. I was down there with them. It was just a great cause, and uh, it was a lot of fun for everybody involved. Oh, so, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. It's good. Thank you very much, Joan. Thanks, Chief. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Thanks for all the information, Chief. Thank you. Next, we have uh, Kathy McDonald, Director of Midfield Outreach, to request the selector of signing the raising the bar licensing. Thanks, Pete. Um, good evening, everybody. I'm here tonight on behalf of Midfield Outreach, specifically our prevention programming, seeking. Um, passage or signing of the Raising the Bar licensing agreement. And just briefly to let you know what Raising the Bar is, is as part of our prevention efforts, we partner with different sectors of the community to reduce youth substance use. And Raising the Bar is an initiative that we found in Marin County in California, which it's a voluntary program, which requests parents, um, sporting events, schools, to partner to remain substance free at youth events, not adult events, but youth events. And this partnership will, um, we pay for out of the grant proceeds, and it allows us to use their, their program, their logo, their toolkit, et cetera, starting from the date effective on the contract until they can revoke it in writing as outlined in the agreement. And that's the reason I'm here this evening. Yes, questions? Uh, no, I think if I remember, this was under discussion back when we were doing the strategic thing. So it sure was, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, no, no questions. Yeah, no questions as well. I went read through it, and I do call conversation. So no, this is great. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it too. So we can have a vote from them. All right. So motion uh, for the select board to sign the raising the bar licensing agreement. Second. Select board member Murphy? Aye. Select board member Murphy? Aye. I have an aye as well. So that passes. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Kathy. Thanks, Kathy. Have a good night. Our next item is the uh, review and potential vote to send Midfield Energy Committee letter. And I thought I would just. Uh, Yeah, I'm in total disagreement with you on that, Pete. 
Uh, if, if we, the, I appreciate the Energy Committee's efforts in uh, making suggestions, I guess, for us, and perhaps, uh, I actually appreciate the comments they made at the front where they recognized that they had made some errors, uh, but the guidance that's in our letter needs to be very specific. It addresses five separate areas that have been problems in the past. I think it's important that the Energy Committee has clear understanding of what the selectmen expect or the board, select board expects of the Energy Committee and how it conducts <coughs> its uh, activities. Uh, so uh, the, 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 the back part of our letter is specifically what I absolutely want to make sure they have to where there's no confusion about what is and isn't acceptable. Uh, it's just, we had, we had guidance in place that was less formally conveyed earlier and as a practical matter, the guidance was violated, whether intentional or by mistake, I don't know. Uh, I don't care for that matter. I care more that the expectations are very clear between us and the committee, because I think that is what will prevent us from having volunteers get discouraged when they when they uh, get called to task for doing things that perhaps they didn't understand they couldn't do. Aline? I agree with everything Gus just said, and I think what really struck me is we sat here in a meeting and we shared our concerns. We said that there would be a letter to help guide, to make sure that there, are, I mean, this is a huge project, right? And, and no one, as I said in the meeting that week, and I'll say it again tonight, no one did any, anything with any ill intent. But the fact of the matter is, uh, thank goodness we have a good partner in Trinity and they're not looking for ways to try to trip this thing up. Uh, but I think our letter sends clear guidance. It's not accusing anybody of anything, but it supports the message that uh, what the committee's role is, it complements them very nicely because they've done a phenomenal job in this town. Um, but, but with this project, there cannot be any gray area with who and when we communicate with this developer. There's too much on the line between, let alone the 334 apartments. We have uh, the Belforge that if this doesn't happen, Belforge crumbles. And there's way too much going on with Belforge and unbelievable momentum. So I think it's, it's, it's within our bounds to send the letter. We said we would. We also said that we would copy Trinity so Trinity understands the message that we're sending. And it, and, it, and I appreciate the fact that I actually watched the meeting that the Energy Committee had where they talked about the letter and sending it to us. So um, I think it's fine. We received a letter from them. We didn't get the letter out to them. Um, you know, I know we need to delay it until this meeting and we have, but I don't move from what I agreed to in the original meeting, which was with Hilly and Jim here that we had stated that we would uh, be sending a letter, that we would be drafting it to them and copying Trinity. And I, I stay true to that. I don't think there's any reason to not do that. Uh, well, I would suggest it's a bad uh, thing to do. I think there are a lot of errors in the draft that has been circulated uh, and, and some misinformation there. Certainly uh, it, it accuses me of being subverted and I legitimately was in no way subverted anything that happened. Yeah. Um, hey, Pete, I, I didn't accuse you of being subverted. I actually complimented you on having the, the good judgment to not sign on to that letter. Right. Uh, so I w it, there was no accusation in the prior meeting about your actions. In fact, some it was my extreme concern about an attempt to subvert any member of this 
select board uh, by drawing them into something like this that would have been just, it would have basically invalidated your role in anything that has to do with this. So it wasn't a criticism of you. What I was asked about, um, what I was asked about had nothing to do with supporting Trinity's project at all. It had to do with, with the National Historic Park Service regulations being out of date and wouldn't it be a good idea to have them get updated so that they were more energy efficient. Um, certainly that's a, a, a very good thing. So Pete, Pete. Just so I, so you may be right. Maybe I misunderstood this. I understood that you had been asked to sign on to the letter that was published in the patch. You're saying that's not what you were asked to do? You know, it's been some time since I had that discussion. I didn't keep any notes of it, Gus. So my, my, I thought that the, the Fred was asking me about, uh, about reaching out to the Park Service because the Park Service regulations don't allow for energy efficiency. Um, I don't remember if you asked me if I wanted to sign on to the letter. So, so, the patch or not. Well, all right, that was not the information I had. But, but that's. The patch has been mischaracterized. It was, it was an expression of individual people's expressions uh, on, Pete, on a, an issue. Pete, uh, the Pete. Characterized it as being from the Energy Committee, which it never was. Pete, I listened, I listened to the meeting of the building pillar where the information that went into this letter was discussed. And at no time did the people who were discussing that say it was a personal statement and they were discussing it within their own meeting. I listened to the most recent Energy Committee meeting where when they said it was a personal letter and it was not a statement of the, of the Energy Committee and Fred Davis said, well, actually, this is the position of the Energy Committee. I don't really think there's a lot of good that comes out of rehashing that. My point was really well, around drawing you into it. I mean, and that's what we're doing, is rehashing it. Right. So, so let's not do that. All right. Um, to the extent you think there's anything in our draft letter that is misinformation or incorrect, I would appreciate it if, if you really, if you really th think that there's something misinformation or incorrect in this draft letter, I would actually appreciate it to get your feedback on that or your edits to this that would address anything you think is misinformation, because I don't think there's anything in here that is, but that could be a blind spot. I think the letter is a waste of time, and as I've said, I think it's well. town relationships. Uh, I, th I think the letter's crucial. I, but. So I'll give you a list, Gus. I made some notes of things. Okay. So, which is. Working behind the scenes. There was no working behind the scenes. Um, um, people were talking to people to get information. Um, I know that uh, one, of the, one of the touch points was that Jim Nail talked to a man who uh, that formerly worked for Trinity, I think, because he is chair or president of the Passive House of Massachusetts. Uh, there was no understanding that that, uh, that man was going to reach out to Trinity, I don't think. So what we've, so, what we've done to clear that up in here, Pete, is to say that if anybody has a contact like that, whether it's intentional or unintentional, it needs to be reported immediately. That's it's just well, and, way and over the line. Something I said the well, night if I, if, I, if I contact somebody, I'm supposed to report to you that I've contacted. Well, this is being this is directed to the Energy Committee, so 
that's uh, it was really intended to be the members of the energy committee, not necessarily directed at you. But to be honest, Pete, if any one of us wound up getting into some sort of a conversation with a former Trinity official, and in that conversation, it became clear that that former Trinity official was going to go and talk to Trinity about this project. Yes, I would expect any one of us to let each other know, and I would expect us to let the development committee know about that. because Not because we're doing anything nefarious, but because that's a contact that's a big deal. Well, I don't know the details of it well enough to know whether, uh, whether Jim was aware that that man was going to go off and talk to or not. But, uh, we established during, during the meeting we had, we established that Jim knew what he was doing. I asked him in two different times whether he, whether he once he knew he was going to do that, I said, then what did you respond with? So he knew that's what he was planning to do. Whether he, whether he drew him out or whether he just said, well, let me go talk to him, I don't know. I think it's really important to state. Individual in order to get information about I don't accept that we were not aware that that's exactly what he was going to do. And I don't accept that there was no happiness around that, because if we didn't think that was appropriate, which I absolutely think was inappropriate, uh, the proper thing to have done was to say, listen, I don't want you going in and get involved in this. We have we have a, a negotiation going on. We have an effort going on here. It wouldn't be appropriate for you to go in and try to go over the head of the project manager to do something that I would like to see happen, but that Trinity itself is not planned. Right. It's just, it's just total misconduct. I don't know the details of how it all unfolded, so that uh, I'm not the best person maybe to speak to it. But um, I think that that's, I think that's an area where the letter is, is probably an error. Um, I disagree I with that. I disagree with that, Pete, emphatically. That it, if you were sitting here that night and you, and you watched and listened to the dialogue, we clearly got the signal that they were talking and then they were hoping that that person would be a mouthpiece. And what this letter is clearly stating is, like, and I said that night, I, the one thing you should have said is, whoa, 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 don't go back to anybody at Trinity and talk to anybody about Trinity, what we just talked about. That's not our role. That's not our responsibility. There's Sarah Raposa's role until another body is named is the person that is the touch point. You're not, I'm not, Gus isn't, that we're not supposed to do it. No one in the subcommittee or a committee should be doing it. So it's this letter just clearly redefines what direction. I don't think that, that Hilly had an issue with the idea that we were going to send a letter to clearly redefine because Trinity is a big project. This isn't one small development that's going to have a minor impact in this town. This is significant. And, and I can tell you, if I was Trinity and I watched that recording, I would want to make sure that I'm getting something from the select board of Medfield that signed an LDA that supports the message that was sent that night. This is not kicking anybody. Those volunteers, the energy committee, as we said that night, and I'll say over and over again, Nobody did anything with ill intent, but when you get passionate and you get dug into a hole and you start looking at things, sometimes you forget what your real role is. And you just need to be real back in and to look, this letter clearly defines what can and cannot be done. It's not malicious. It's, you can think that there are things in there that maybe are not stated correctly. I have no problem with how it's stated. I think it follows true to the conversation we had that night. And I 
genuinely, even watching the Energy Committee meeting last week, I don't think that a very large portion of that board has a problem with this whatsoever. I think they want to put this behind them. I think that they just want to have this on file. It's good to go. But this Trinity project is monumental. And we I just think there's nothing wrong with this. It's not attacking anybody on that committee. It's clearly defining rules and responsibilities. So it's... It, there's no re there's we are not going to bury this and 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 not follow through to what we said that night the, the letter has a very aggressive accusatory tone it's a very unfortunate uh, uh, position to take with with another town board i think and, and your town volunteers so that uh, from that standpoint alone i don't i think it's a bad thing to to go forward with i think that and, and as i said originally Energy Committee letter, I think, answers everything that is raised in this. The, the fact that you'd say that, Pete. The letter actually made a series of mistakes. I'll just go down the rest of my list of mistakes that you had for us. Mm -hmm. uh, just so I've got those on the record then for you. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. Uh, documents uh, need uh, Energy Committee approval. Well, I mean, I don't think that the, uh, the letter that, that was sent out was uh, an Energy Committee letter. It certainly never came to any Energy Committee. So, so, so to that point, Pete, I, which I'll just, is... I'll just finish my okay. list. Okay, please. sure. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, there was the issue about the, uh, the Energy Committee not subverting the select board. Uh, oh, so let's see. I know that's uh, the, the issue that uh, uh, everything is to be submitted uh, by the, to the select board via the town administrator. I think one of the one of the issues that underlies this whole thing that happened is that the energy committee was submitting information to Sarah and, and it just wasn't getting responded to. So I think there was a little bit of a glitch in the whole process about things were being handled in the development at the, at the hospital, unfortunately. So that there was an attempt to provide good information to make a better project that just wasn't getting or, or, or getting addressed. Um, let's see. Well, but but Pete, the, if even uh, if that was a problem, let's finish my list, please. Um, there was something about uh, the energy committee did not attempt to influence Trinity's contractor choices, and there's clearly, I don't think there's been any desire to do that. Uh, uh, but you did watch Jim on that video, and do uh, ecology as as someone who would bring the right information to bear on the project and i know that there was also some uh some uh, sense that the contractor chosen to look at the distributive geothermal system didn't really have the proper background and that that was affected their their, their, their suggestions uh, let's see energy committee did not publish things unless the full energy committee has approved it i, I don't think that's an issue appeared it was a personal opinions not the energy committee opinions the energy committee is not to reach out to the uh, political representatives um, i think that was being done by individuals not by the energy committee uh, and then i guess again some statement about the energy committee is not to, it's not to support select board members and that, and that just didn't happen so okay go ahead Gus. first off pete the things that you have just said have reinforced my opinion over and above everything that's come up so far 
this energy committee has a huge governance issue. Uh, and I will want us to address that when the right time comes down the road. Um, the, the, the issue on the article, I'm skeptical that it wasn't an article that was an Energy Committee article, but uh, accepting that it was the expression of two people, the, the request, what I specifically did in the discussion with the Energy Committee is I asked them to correct it. Uh, and there was a, I did that deliberately. That is their call on what, if anything, they should do about that article. There are some reasons that I think they should consider doing something to clarify the article. And the main issue in it is that the article states that net zero is possible at the state hospital. Uh, at the meeting where this article was discussed, the, of the building pillar itself, Jim Nail specifically disagreed with Fred about that very issue and said, no, it's not possible. So to have an article come out saying it is co-written by someone who I literally heard in the meeting before it came out say it wasn't, I think for the purposes of being clear and accurate, that was why I asked for that. Uh, there are some other things in that article that I think some members of the Energy Committee might look at and read carefully to be sure that that was actually what the Energy Committee intended to say, or for that matter, what those individuals intended to say. Uh, but I'll leave that for them to, to change. I just think in the case of something as sensitive as this, that was as confusing about whether this was or wasn't a statement from the Energy Committee not approved by the Energy Committee, or just personal, uh, a personal statement, uh, to the extent that that personal statement is not actually what the Energy Committee thinks, then the Energy Committee would, if I were on the Energy Committee, I would want to issue a statement of clarification. But that's up to them. Uh, I do think relative to a discussion we had a year ago over the letter that went to the MSBA, that when someone on a, on a board or a committee is commenting on the work of that committee and is intending not to be commenting and representing the committee, but representing themselves alone, even if they identify themselves as a committee member, they should make clear in that statement that what's being expressed is a personal opinion and not the view of the committee. And that's precisely to avoid this kind of confusion. So, I mean, we've, we've had this discussion before about how I signed the letter to the MSBA, mm -hmm. and, and I signed as myself, not as the select board of the town of Medfield does. And so they. Yeah, and, and we disagree, Pete. We you disagree. Signed, you sign things as a select board member. Um, it, it's you know it's just part what? of who we are. What? Um, so. But when have I ever submitted a letter to a state agency? while the town itself was in the middle of negotiations with that state agency, asking them to take a decision that the town was considering out of the town's hands by adopting a policy that would force the town to do something I thought the town should do. I have never done that. Well, not with those specifics, but you know, I think we all... You'd have to show me what you're talking about, Pete. saying that we are select board members, certainly. And, and that's correct, but you know, in all of these instances, you're just jumping to, to a conclusion that's just not there. That by uh, my signing something, or by you signing something, or Eileen signing something, it means that it's a select board decision. It's it's not. It's just our own personal opinion. 
And when I, when Pete, when I asked, when I asked you to send a letter in to clarify that point to the MSBA, your answer was, I think there's no need for me to do that. I think that was a clear intention to make it sound like Medfield was behind that because it was listed under Medfield, <laughs> along with all these other towns. I, I, that's even, even a worse letter for us to rehash because that goes back a year. So we, you and I clearly disagree on what the proper conduct is when any one of us expresses a personal opinion to promote something that is perhaps at least not adopted by the town. We just disagree. And every time it comes up, you're going to hear from me if it happens. And every time I bring it up, you're going to say, I don't think it's a problem. I get that. But we disagree on what the proper conduct is when someone is expressing a personal opinion when they are also an official or a member of an active board that works in that same area. That's all. If I go to a meeting and I speak as a, a town meeting and something comes up and I speak, I say, I'm only expressing my personal opinion here. This is not, I don't know what Pete and Eileen think. I, I actually try pretty hard to do that. So we're not going to get anywhere on this one, Pete, because we didn't agree a year ago and we're still not agreeing. I think we just recognize that both of us are going to lock horns on that every time it happens, if it happens this way. It's not an effective strategy for any committee member to follow if they want my support as a selectman for the things that they do. You'll be fine. I will not. So the letter. So, so this letter... I, I don't want to not do the letter. Pete, if there's tone, if, if you want to try re-editing this letter to take any tone issues out of it that would you think would give it a better tone, I'm good with that. I will, I, the main thing I want them to see, and they will see it because they've seen our draft undoubtedly, the five items that are the specific guidance is the thing that I really care about. Uh, and however we position it up front, I, I'm not trying to accuse anybody up front. It's just those five items are the clear guidance that we said we would give to the Energy Committee. And we also gave the Energy Committee the option of asking for further guidance because Hilly had said, you know, we don't really know what you want us to do in some areas. And it's like, that's fine. Mm -hmm. We can add to it. But if you would like, if there's something about the tone that you would like to edit to revise this. I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I have no interest in editing this letter. I have no interest in being part of this okay. letter. I clearly don't support this letter. Then we should just take a vote. Destructive. Yeah. And, and I think it's already been answered by what uh, this, the Energy Committee has sent back. I think they've okay. already agreed to your five points, Gus. So, so we should just, just to be clear, go forward. then let's take a vote on whether we approve the letter and we'll, we'll fill in the date. Uh, and go with this. If you don't, if you don't have anything you want to change in the letter, we disagree with you, Pete. So, I so think we're just going to issue it. So I motion that we send the Medfield Energy Committee letter that is in the packet this evening from the select board. Second. Uh, select board member Murphy. Aye. Select board member Murphy. Aye. Peterson is a no on this one. Okay. Uh, our next uh, action items vote on the use of ARPA funds for the installation of a video conferencing in Shenry Hall and the public safety training room for $9,287.
So this is uh, an idea we've been talking about for a while. Anybody who has been to a meeting, the OWL works great in a small meeting room. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's helped us through some tight spots as we were doing this remote and hybrid. Now that uh, hybrid for boards and committees has been extended through 2025, um, we've seen a tremendous amount of participation, being able to offer hybrid. We thought maybe after three years, it's time for a permanent solution. Uh, so we are recommending a solution for this room and for the public safety building as well. So better cameras and better microphones. Anybody who was at the planning board uh, meeting recently realized that a large room like that needs uh, more than just one owl. So. Is there anything like this going in school? I don't know if they're planning on putting anything into the library where they have their meetings. Yeah. That's the other large place that... Uh, yeah, I don't know if Owen's planning on it. Um, I know we've been working with him on our two solutions. So um, maybe we're the pilot for him before he puts it in at the schools. <laughs> I'm good with it. I'm good. Yep. I'm good. Makes sense. Me too. We need a motion that I All right. So motion to use the ARPA funds for the installation of video conferencing in Chenary. Hall in a public safety training room for $9,287. Second. Um, Mr. Murphy. Aye. Ms. Murphy. Aye. Peterson's an aye too. Great. Our next item is a vote on the determination by appointing authority as required by Massachusetts General Laws Chapter 268A, Section 19 for the title Minister Christine Ferraro. Chris, you want to fill us in on this? So for the background on this, this is, um, I was nominated by my peers in December of 2022. Um, I sought your permission before I accepted my nomination to be on the board of directors for the Maya Property and Liability um, Insurance. Um, I was uh, elected in January. I I'm hoping I had two of my selectmen votes at that meeting. <laughs> um, my uh, board of directors position is an unpaid position with Maya. Uh, I just attended my first official meeting as a board member. We had orientation last month, and this was part of the orientation um, that I need to file this paperwork. I have no financial interest. However, um, Maya Property and Casualty has an interest in that we've done business with them uh, since 1982. Um, so I'm looking for a written determination uh, that you don't believe that I have any financial interest and won't affect my, my decision making. Thanks, Chris. Any questions, Gus? No, I'm certainly, uh, in my view, I don't think there's any conflict here that uh, is of any significance. And uh, so I, I don't view this as any kind of a disqualifying situation. Yeah, same. Yeah, I have no issue whatsoever. I completely agree. The relationship's been around for 40 years, so I think we're good. We're solid. I have no problem with this either, so can we have a motion, please? All right, so I move that as the appointing authority of Town Administrator Christine Treeweiler, as required by MGL Chapter 268A, Section 19, we have reviewed this matter and the financial interests as identified by Christine Treeweiler. We have determined that the financial interest is not so substantial as to be deemed likely to affect the integrity of the services which the Town of Medfield may expect from Ms. Treeweiler. Second. Mr. Murphy. Aye. Ms. Murphy. Aye. Peterson's 
So this is the. Um, we we skipped. Oh eight. no, we skipped set number seven. Sorry. Oh, uh, my apologies. Vote uh, uh, MIA Health Benefits Trust renewal rate proposal for the upcoming year. Chris, that's you too. That is me. So uh, just a little background on this. Um, this is our health insurance that we offer to um, all of our employees, both school and town. Um, 8.7% uh, is an incredibly high increase, and that's based um, on our experience over the last 18 months. I did work with the Insurance Advisory Committee. I cannot commend Nancy Devineau and Nancy McLaughlin en enough. Uh, they did a tremendous job. We brought Blue Cross Blue Shield in, and we tried to uh, do a very small plan design change to bring that health insurance premium increase down to 2.7%. Um, in order to do that, since health insurance uh, is a mandatory subject of bargaining, we were asking for this voluntary change, um, not only for the savings for the town, but I think 8.7% is an incredible amount of money to ask our employees to take on uh, in this economy. Um, unfortunately, all of the unions did not vote for it, uh, so we were not able to move forward. So unfortunately, I'm requesting authorization to sign this increase for the 8.7% increase. I think it's a shame that people didn't take a harder look at this because it would have been financially, if I understand it correctly at least, it would have been financially beneficial to them to have done it. And I can only assume the reason that didn't happen is that people didn't really come to a thorough <coughs> understanding of what that option was to get to that lower increase. In, I'll just make the observation. It's too bad that the process unfolded that way to where I doubt very much there's anybody that was saying, I'm going to I'm going to insist that we go down this path because I want to be paying more for my health care. But that's right. kind of what happened. So it's unfortunate. Eileen? Yeah, same thing. It's unfortunate, but it's just where we're going. It's where we're going. It, it, it did seem like an unfortunate result. Unfortunately, we have no choice but to go with that. Yeah. Uh, do we have a motion? Uh, vote on the MIIA Health Benefits Trust Renewal Rate Proposal July 1st, 2023 through June 30th, 2024. Second. Mr. Murphy. Aye. Ms. Murphy. Aye. I have an aye as well. Next, we're on to that uh, MIIA Health Benefits Trust Renewal. Well, that's what we just did. Vote to renew the annual ambulance service agreement with Metro West Medical Service. Chris? So this is the annual agreement that Chief Carrico requests you sign. This authorizes the ambulance uh, when they make uh, a visit to Metro West Medical Center and they have utilized drugs on board, they are allowed to exchange for new drugs with Metro West Medical Center. If we don't have this agreement in place, it means they must leave that hospital and go to a primary care hospital in order to reload the ambulance. So this agreement saves us a tremendous amount of time uh, and money to have that with them. So uh, Metro West Medical Center has been a great partner <coughs> with the town of Medfield. Those questions? I, I, uh... Just an observation, I was looked through the uh, list of drugs and was surprised to see fentanyl on the list, which I, I know they use it on ele elephants, but I wasn't sure <coughs> if Chief Carrico had been here, I would ask him, what do you guys use fentanyl for? I will ask him to follow up with you on yeah, that. Okay, okay. But uh, yeah, it's a pretty long list. The second thought I had after I got past that was, gosh, how long does it take to learn of all the, there's a pretty long list of medications 
some of which I recognized, most of which I didn't. And uh, it was just interesting. I was kind of marveling at the kind of training that uh, ambulance personnel have to have to be able to actually even know how to administer that many different things uh, on an emergency basis. So, And then administer it under an incredible amount of yeah. pressure as well. So the, the only other observation I had on this is I believe this was a renewal. I didn't read the thing in detail mm -hmm. because this was a renewal. And I assume there was nothing significant in the no terms change. and conditions that nope. it changed. So yep. uh, that's it. Uh, no, I'm good. I think, I think this might have been one of the first things I've done last year. <laughs> it was. I recognized it when I started reading it. Well, the comment that I would make is that the Metro West Medical Center has a legal name that is really weird. Um, we have a motion there. All right. Motion to vote to renew the annual ambulance service agreement with Metro West Medical Center. Second. And Mr. Murphy. Aye. Ms. Murphy. Aye. So this is uh, our annual request from um, DPW Director Mo Goulet, uh, and this is our annual, literally what it says, our annual catch basin cleaning um, that's required under that permit. The only comment I had, as I recall, when Mo came before, the, the the way it's worded, they clean the catch basins. They don't take what they take they out. They leave it with us. They actually leave it with us. Mm -hmm. I just happen to remember that's a point he made yeah. last year. So. Yeah, he had talked about at some point we are going to have to have them take it off site, and that will increase the contract significantly. But he is able to keep it on site this year. Okay. No, I'm good. No, no comment. Point two. We have a motion All right. So we vote to sign the contract with Truax Corp for annual catch basin cleaning for stormwater management MS4 permit. Second. Uh, Mr. Murphy. Aye. Ms. Murphy. Eileen. Yeah, aye. I'm an The name of Metro West, by the way, is VHS Acquisition Subsidy Number 9, Inc., Delaware Corporation. Wow. Um, our next item, number 10, vote to approve memos request to hold their annual summer concert series on, on Thursdays, June 15 through August 17 at the gazebo and park outside the library and request to hang a banner announcing the concert series across Main Street at Baxter Park from June 3 through the last concert. Yeah. Only question I have is gazebo park. Have we got a name for that yet? I don't believe so. Okay, so not there. No. And then, are we allowed to hang banners across Main Street? I thought, I thought we weren't doing that anymore. So I talked to Chief Carrico today, and, and he said if Russ Hallisey reaches out to him, he'll make sure he can get the banner up. Okay. But he would like, Chief Carrico would like to have the fire department put the banner up, not the individuals from Memo. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But he said he would take care of it. I must have caught him at a good moment. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, do you have any questions? Uh, no. Nope. Do you have a motion, then? All right. Vote to approve Memo's request to hold their annual summer concert series on Thursday, June 15th through August 17th at the gazebo and park outside the library and request to hang a banner announcing the concert series across Main Street at Baxter Park from June 3rd through the last concert. Second. Mr. Murphy? Aye. Ms. Murphy? Aye. 
Peterson and I too, and that passes. Number 11, vote to sign letter of support for the One Stop Mass Works grant application to the State Hospital. Chris, is that you? So this is, uh, as you recall, in the LDA, uh, there is a commitment from the town of Medfield to apply for a one-stop MassWorks grant application for the infrastructure. The roadways uh, at the uh, proposed development will stay public, which makes us eligible um, for this grant application. So this is just a, the application, I believe, is due in two weeks. So we're uh, getting our letter of support lined up. And obviously, where it's your application, uh, it would be, only make sense for us to write a letter of support. So I, I had, um, first off, totally, totally in favor of the mm -hmm. letter of support. On the second page, I had three editing, wordsmithing kind of questions. Sure. First, the, uh, we the, the top paragraph talks about uh, Trinity constructing 334 units. It's going to help us exceed our 10% our, uh, uh, SHI affordability threshold. And it says, and we expect this project to enable the town to become compliant with the MBTA Communications Act. Recognizing we don't have any final answers yet, when I read that, I said, are we still cautiously optimistic? Or we are. We, that's still, we think that's going to... It is still in play. That's huge. Okay. Yes. I, I want to make sure that there's a typo on the next paragraph. First line, Town of Medfield's one-stop MassWorks grant application will scratch the word B. Will support the A little birdie called me about that today. Good. He might be sitting in the background. Oh. <laughs> Birds of a feather, I see. <laughs> and then... <laughs> and then the only question, this is kind of interesting, now that we've renamed the Board of Selectmen the Select Board, when we sign, should we just say Select Board or should we say Medfield Select Board? Um, I think we usually would, would just be Select Board. Okay. Yeah. That was it. When I read yeah. it, that seems sort of cold yeah. and impersonal, yeah. but okay. No, we'll uh, just leave it as select. Okay, board. those are my those were my editorial questions. I'm okay. absolutely in support of the letter. I'll get those off. Are there any questions, issues? Nope. Support of the letter, no I problem. Go All right, so vote to sign the letter of support for one stop MassWorks grant application, Medfield State Hospital. Second. Um, Mr. Murphy. Aye. Ms. Murphy. Aye. And I'm an I as well, so that passes. Thank you. Uh, number 12, vote to sign memorandum of understanding with Medfield Police League, M MCOP, AFL CIO level 257, dated April 18, 2023. We're going to actually hold on this this evening. Okay. Uh, and meeting, discuss potential vote on Article 28. Citizens petition. Ah. Which one? Who's going to address this? <laughs> so, sorry, P can't see anybody in the audience. Um, Chris McHugh is here to discuss the article. Thank you. 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 Off here. <laughs> All right. Okay, where should I start? Um, Chris Potts, 7 Corp Street. Thank you for the, uh, the hand here. Um, so this is a citizen's petition signed by a large number of people beyond the required number. I actually don't remember the total. But it's basically to see if the town will vote to amend 
um, either the town charter or the town bylaws um, to require a quorum uh, of Medfield School Committee members to hold a public hearing if not already required by law and scheduled it within 30 days on a topic within its scope of authority if requested in writing by at least 25 registered Medfield voters with signatures verified by the town clerk. And then the rest of the article, um, the petition outlines the notification um, procedures. Um, it, is also, it also specifies that um, the request for a hearing must be related to um, basically anything under the purview of school committee. Um, I also want to clarify that the, the line, I realize this may be a little confusing now reading it again, um, the line that says to hold a public hearing if not already required by law and scheduled within 30 days is meant as a, a way to uh, free the school committee from having to hold a public hearing if they already have one scheduled. So if they already have a budget hearing scheduled, there would be no um, ability for anybody to request a public hearing if one is already scheduled within 30 days. I think um, the thing that um, what surprised me on this, um, uh, well, I'll just go back. The, the, the reason for this is that we've had a number of circumstances over the years where school committee has voted um, on very substantial uh, topics, um, issues made substantial decisions that really should have had a public hearing but didn't. And the one that jumped out at me was they revoted the school budget back in 2018 for that 6.16% increase. Um, they had had a public hearing um, under the, the, the state law that they were required to do that, but then they revoted that and there was no public hearing. There was, a lot of people didn't really realize that was coming. Um, there were other examples of extending this. The elementary school day um, that had enormous impact on a lot of different areas um, of the town. Um, there were, um, with this, the last, uh, with the, the pandemic funding, they were actually required by the Department of Elementary and Secondary Education to provide, um, to seek public comment, public input on how the money that they, they were going to be getting would be allocated. And this was, this was a very specific Department of Education requirement that was not a requirement of the town. It was very specific to the school spending. Um, and there's no documentation that I can find anywhere that shows that we actually sought that public comment um, to, to determine how that money was going to be. It wasn't even a school committee agenda item. So it made me very concerned that we have significant decisions that are being made um, and it was it it snowballed with this whole deciding uh, pushing forth the change in public comment policy um, ahead of policies that were so terribly out of compliance for years that never made it up to the top of the priority list. They jumped over all these other policies that were out of that were out of compliance with to focus in on the public comment policy, and so. To, and to change a policy that had been working really well. I mean, you know, you, you do have these situations in other towns and communities where people, select boards, school committees, you know, they're dealing with irate people coming and, and really pushing the boundaries. In all my years in Medfield and 30 years of Medfield, 10 years of going to school committee meetings, I have never seen anything like that. People are very polite here. People speak their mind. People are diplomatic. 
you might have, you know, you might have a little, have a little emotions are running a little high, but I've never seen the kind of behavior in Medfield that I've, that has happened in other communities. And it was, it was a shame that they decided they were going to focus on public comment and try and change that. Um, so all that together just said, you know, we need to have some kind of a mechanism that the community can say to the school committee, this is important to us and we think that you should have a public hearing. Um, and so this is where this, this is how this came about basically. And they do, I mean, they do have it in, in their policies. They specifically say that they have discretion to hold a public hearing on any topic that they feel is necessary. So how did they determine that? That's the background. Just curious whether there, only because there's nobody here from the schools to counter that, I'm curious what the counter argument, Chris, you know how we operate here. And uh, when I, I'm not sure that it would take 25 signatures to get me to go along with that public hearing if people cared about it and it made sense. Uh, so part of me, is saying, well, this is an article that is being presented in response to a set of practices that have given rise to you know, resentment or, or disagreement, which is prompting this thing. And uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to think of why this is a why this what would the counter argument even be against this uh, is sort of where I'm coming from. And I'm sensitive to this is focused on the schools, it would actually be a valid requirement for any department if some department or board decided it wanted to try to really squelch the same thing would apply. It's just that it's not come up. Uh, to your point, it's not the kind of thing that typically does come up in this town. If people want to have a say, they get a say. So I'm curious if there is a counter argument that I can't think of against doing this because to me this would practically be be a policy that should be adopted by just about anybody anyway. It's it's unfortunate if it requires a full art, you know, formal article. Right, right. Uh, but I I have a hard time arguing with the the basic intentions. Perhaps I'm a little regretful that the need is there. Yeah. And and I also I it's very important to me that I that I also make this statement. You know, I've been doing this newsletter now for three years. And I've been going to pretty much every one of the meetings or watching the recordings. Christine has been amazing. Her whole team has been amazing with sending me recordings after the fact. I can honestly say, and I'm going to get emotional saying this, our boards and committees in town are unbelievable the way they operate in terms of the, the level of, uh, you know, willingness to let people say a few things, maybe a couple, you know, a couple exceptions here or there. But, but overall, it has been the most wonderful experience to go to all these meetings and to see how everybody operates. And it is, it makes me feel really good about our town operations. And, and I really, I do, and I'm not saying this to be, you know, what, um, what the phrase is, but Christine is doing it. I mean, her team has um, is really been great. And I, I so appreciate, you know, I can go into her, to her with questions. I can't believe how fast she gets back to me. Um, the responsiveness is really phenomenal. <laughs> I mean, it really, I, 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 I've been saying this to people the last week or so because I just, it blows me away with everything on her plate being short staffed. It is really impressive. 
And so I use that as a point of comparison with the school committee because I go and I see the complete opposite. And it's, it, is, it bothers me as a citizen of this town and to know that ultimately our students are impacted by that. And you know, I, I'm not set on the 25 signatures. To me, it could be 50, it could be 75. I just wanna feel like there's a little bit more impetus for the community to be able to, be able to say, this matters to us. We want you to put it on the agenda, even if it's a matter of putting it on the agenda. But you know, a public hearing has a little bit, there's no law around public hearings other than being embedded um, in a regular meeting notice. But there's really no, no the, the attorney general's office for the open meeting law, you, you will see in their determinations when people have filed complaints about public hearings, their response is, we have no jurisdiction over public hearings other than it being affected by a meeting notice, minutes, but other than that, they have no jurisdiction. So there's really nothing in Massachusetts that is a, that's governing public hearings. So he may not be able to see you. He, yeah, we, Mark wants to say something. Lynn, did you have any uh, questions or issues? Uh, Mark uh, has raised his hand to ask a question or make a comment. Oh, I can't see Mark. That's why I figured. Yeah. Go ahead, Mark. So there are significant procedural and substantive legal issues with this petition. From the policy standpoint in the uh, abstract, as you're talking about it, that's one thing, but legality-wise, both in terms of the procedure that needs to be followed and the underlying law, there are issues with this. Like what? So first of all, and this is not a secret because I met with the applicants uh, while the town meeting warrant was still open. If a citizen or a group of citizens is going to petition to amend the charter, there is a separate statutory process. One fundamental part of that is it, that the town meeting, the following town meeting has to be at least six months after the filing date of that petition. The petition was filed in January, so it was clearly beyond uh, the, the town meeting was going to occur too early to do it for the annual town meeting. So that's to amend the charter. Legality-wise, is a question whether you could even put this into a charter because when the AG reviews the charter amendments, they have to find that they're consistent with state law. Their position has been consistently, and there's a number of opinions from various uh, municipalities with bylaws as well as charter amendments that elected boards um, of a, essentially the executive branch, there's a separation of powers issue. So town meeting cannot dictate blanket to board of select, select board or school committee, whatever, as an elected body, how to run their meetings when they are coming from a different, those boards have their own separate authority. So uh, I seriously question whether it's, this would pass muster with the attorney general uh, the alternative of bylaws procedurally, and again, it was pointed out, it needed to be informed to either insert it in an existing bylaw or submit it as a new bylaw as opposed to the format. And then substantively, frankly, the bylaw is even more questionable than a charter amendment. I, I'm almost certain a bylaw amendment would not pass muster with the Attorney General's office based on the several decisions I've seen uh, and the issue that a similar <clears throat> bylaw was submitted 
if not by this group, some of the same people are early in COVID. It was taken off the uh, warrant because of the COVID procedures. But at that time, I had reached out and was uh, led to believe that it, uh, and that was directed to the board of select, the then board of selectmen as well, and was led to believe it would not pass because of that separation of powers issue. Also, the open meeting law is very clear in its terms that nobody has a right to speak at a meeting. It's solely within the discretion of the public body's chair. So that's, again, that's so it's not consistent with state law. Okay, so the, the differentiation, just to go back when I met with town council on that petition, the, that first petition, the distinction, well, I think that was in Franklin, Mark, um, the distinction was that that particular petition had to do with public comment and because there is actually law on the books that no. the chair controls public comment, um, that's, that that was why it was ruled. But there is no, there's no law around public hearings. So they could have a standalone public hearing and if it's positioned as a public hearing and not as a regular, regular meeting, that they, that there are sort of Robert's rules around public hearings and not as a meeting. So Mark, I want to make sure I understand what you said. First, if this kind of a requirement were to pass, it would have to either pass as a charter amendment or as a bylaw, but your skepticism about it passing as a bylaw is that basically, and I'm sympathetic to this because of the school building committee bylaw that was telling the board of selectmen who they had to right. appoint. And right. it was a subtle, there was a subtle distinction I've raised with you around. It's one thing to say, for instance, the warrant committee will put somebody forward to the town moderator. That doesn't mean the town moderator can't reject that nominee. Say, no, that's not, you know, in other words, if you're just an appointing authority that gets told by a board or by a committee who you're going to appoint, then what's the point? But I think what you're saying is, so for that reason, a bylaw wouldn't work because you basically do have a an elected governing body called the school committee that has, by law, authority vested in it. So having a provision in an article that tells that school committee what it needs to do, or it could be, it could be, same thing would apply to us. Telling them how they need to operate would probably not pass muster at the state because nobody has the legal authority to override the law that vested that committee in the first place with the authority they have. Is that kind of where? As I said, it's what you would commonly understand at a different governmental level as separation of powers. Yeah. Town meeting is a legislative body. Everybody else is the executive branch. And in the executive branch, the elected parts of it at least have, have authority emanating from either state law, state statutes, or court decisions in some cases, uh, or the charter, which the charter is kind of up here and the bylaws are down here. Mm -hmm. Right. So the charter, there's more discretion to push the envelope, if you will, which is why I said you might be able to have a charter position, uh, a charter provision requiring public hearings. Mm -hmm. Although even that, given the analysis that I've read in a number of attorney general decisions, it's consistent. Uh, 
I, I question whether they would consider that to be consistent with state law. But Marie certainly at the bylaw, at the at the bylaw level, this this will not pass with the attorney general. And the reason a citizen's petition for the town meeting can get by is because that's actually a legislative act being brought before the town meeting, which is the legislature. It's allowed by the, first of all, General Laws Chapter uh, 39, which governs town meetings, makes specific provision for uh, citizen petitions, both for the annual and for special. So that, there is a provision, and it, unfortunately, it just basically lays out a very bare-bones process and then has left it to, and it's been on the books for tens of dozens of years. It goes way, the, way, way back. Uh, and they've left it to the courts to flesh out what's permissible and what's not. The Attorney General uh, is given general oversight of municipal uh, bylaws and charter amendments uh, to make a determination, not whether they like it or they don't like it, but strictly the standard of review is, is this consistent with uh, federal and state law? That's all they look at. And there's no provision. I, I probably watch too much of the Vikings TV series, I guess. There's no provision for what I guess I would say for citizens to come together and petition for public redress, which is not focused on school committee or anything, but merely there's no legal provision that allows the citizens of a country or, or of, a, of a town or the residents of a town to come together and petition, I'm going to call it public redress, basically voice you know, their concerns about how a town you operates. Do, you do have provisions. We have them. Uh, there are probably better ones. But A, you have recall. If you're not happy with yeah. your uh, officials, yeah. you can have them removed from office. Yeah. That actually was used in the case of the school committee way, way back uh, in the uh, 70s, early 80s. I think <coughs> it was. 90, uh, so that you've got that. And there's also, I don't know if we have, a, but some municipalities in their charter have uh, initiative provisions that allow you to pass legislation. There's also a similar provision that allows uh, legislation to be rescinded in both those cases. Uh, again, that's something that could be in the charter. If it is or not, I don't know. It's off the top. And that probably wouldn't address this anyway. So what's interesting, I, I um, just recently found Mass Municipal um, Association has a, about a, an hour and a half webinar on home rule petitions. And speak the, the featured speakers on that was town council from Arlington. Arlington has a lot of citizens' petitions. And also the, um, uh, the woman from... Uh, Mass Municipal Law, who is the one who is the point person to review these. Uh, I also consulted with ACLU, and what I got back was that there were mechanisms that would, that would simple amendments to this article that would um, probably allow it to, what I gather would allow it to fly. And the, the end of the day, the, the woman from Mass Municipal uh, Law really made a closing argument that her, I mean, basically what, what Mark just said um, was that their rule, their, their position is only looking at if there's any kind of conflict, basically with, with state law, with the Constitution, with federal law. Um, and that, and I, I looked through the their determinations as well on other citizens' petitions on, and, and other bylaws and charter 
petitions. And ultimately, they came back with guidance on what would be the next step if, if there were questions around procedural issues around filing for a charter or filing a bylaw, there would be, you know, uh, specifically around charter, there would be guidance on next steps. So, um, but I was very, it was really wonderful to hear from, from Arlington and from, uh, from the, you know, the municipal law unit, sort of their viewpoint on these and how uh, Arlington in particular was talking about how a lot of these peti citizens petitions are now getting filed with sort of like dual, dual paths. Um, so, you know, I, I just think a lot of it, and a, com a comment was made on basically how, how complicated it really is. You know, this was a mass municipal webinar and I'm sitting there listening to it, feeling better that I was, you know, among the people that are confused and everybody else listening or people that are actually sitting in these, you know, seats. So. Yeah, I mean, I have a, I'm sympathetic to the specific issue you're concerned about, but I am also sensitive to being on an elected board that has a set of responsibilities and authority, mm -hmm. having people want to erode it over specific issues. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I kind of, uh, I'm, I'm hearing Mark's legal issue, arguments and I'm taking them seriously as a practical matter about this particular thing, not on the, not on the specific merits of the issue, but on the legal merits of the circumstances. So the only thing I, I, I want to ask before I give you the mic, Jerry, is, you won't say is in the spirit of what I believe this is intended to do, is to give the citizens of Medfield a voice when the opportunity may have been the, the ship has sailed. And this is saying, no, we, it doesn't mean it may change the result, but I think the one thing that we, we don't want citizens in this town to think, whether it has to do with our board or any other board, is that they don't have a voice. And, and I can appreciate what you're saying, Mark, that we could put this up for vote and the, the, town, the, the, the state could come back in August and September and say, this is denied. But personally, I sit here and I'm listening to this conversation. I would, I personally would like to support this because if in the town meeting, this votes unanimously, if that doesn't send a signal that this town is vested, this town has a voice. And again, people can agree to disagree all day long. That's fine. But please at least let people speak and to not be given that opportunity is, is I just fundamentally stand against that. So I appreciate what you're saying, Mark. And if we go forward with this and it gets voted on and it passes and then we find out it like, sorry, it can't go forward. I'd like to think a message was sent. I'll leave it at that. Uh, Jerry Potts, also Seven Curve Street. Um, so I guess I'm I'm looking for a clarification on, and then you started by saying, Gus, the school building bylaw that passed at town meeting, that didn't get shot down by the attorney general. So I don't know what the difference is here. You know, that was mandating what a what the board, you know, the select board could do. Gave restrictions on that came from town meeting and a bylaw passed. And well, I mean, it, it did. I mean, they, they had restrictions on who they could appoint. So what's the difference between this and and that, which did pass, that we, we did not deny it? That simply set up, a, uh, that was a bylaw that set up a committee and set up a, uh, identified what the composition would be 
of the committee. It had nothing to do with how the Board of Selectmen of the school committee run their meetings. Well, if, but they had, that, they had to determine they were limited. It authorized it. them to make the appointments, that's all. If, if that bylaw had said the Board of Selectmen will appoint the designee dictated by the Warren Committee Planning Board, Permanent Planning Building Committee, I would have re I would have refused. Because I have a, if I have appointment authority, that means I have judgment and discretion in what I do. Now, the fact that the composition of the board that's what I mean. was one thing, but that's a that's a, what I'm getting at is that a, that's a broader, it's not telling me who I have to appoint. It's saying that you're responsible for appointing people with these qualities. Probably if, if it had, had some outrageous, you know, we need the animal control officer to be on this, I, I probably would have resisted that because I wouldn't have understood the logic exactly. But I was okay with having someone come, I actually disagree technically with the warrant committee only because it was a voting member, but I, I, you know, that was Scott's problem. Uh, you know, it wasn't like the town is dictating to me what I must do as a, as a member of the select board. It did, it did put some boundaries around the kind of people that we were gonna appoint. And I certainly- More fundamental it. than that. The, the town meeting cannot impair how that's, you, the elected select board, runs your meetings. That's, that's the issue, yeah. Or the school committee, whatever. It just, it's just so, not. And Eileen, to your comment, the thing that I, I wrestle with is that, like, like you, I guess, philosophically, the more public participation and discussion I, I like to the point where I'm okay with long meetings that go late into the night. Um, and so from that standpoint, I'm sympathetic, but I'm also sensitive to the school committee is its own governing board that you could make an argument actually has a greater span of control over this town by virtue of the size of the schools versus the town. And I'm, I want to make sure that for, for my position on this, at least, I, I'm very sensitive about intruding on their authority to the points that you're making because I actually wouldn't want to see that coming the other way, that suddenly there's this other governing board, if you will, that's second guessing what we do. I, I, and I'm not, just to be clear, I have not conferred with them. They have their own legal counsel right. and I'm not weighing in on that. Mm -hmm. I'm right. looking at the broader issue. As soon as you get into these right. relationships, the attorney general has opined in multiple decisions where these types of issues have arisen in other municipalities, and there's been an attempt at a remedy. So to Eileen's point about the vote that would show the overwhelming support, if this were a non-binding article expressing the desires of the town, then it, would, it wouldn't require legal, it, would, it wouldn't you be- You could do a non-binding, absolutely. You could do a non-binding to get what Eileen's talking about, and that might be might get the point across because if even if it passes if it's passed in a bad faith environment um it's not gonna so i guess the good news on that is we're 50 50 on the, on the non-binding and the 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 50 that was in favor ended up doing the bylaw for the school building committee that passed the town meeting and mike marcucci worked well on that and the select board and everyone took that seriously and moved ahead unfortunately the other non-binding was ignored by the school committee. And so this is coming up, I, I, she won't say it, I'll say it. 
because I had attended seven years of those meetings, that when it comes to public input, we have been begging for consistent public input. So this is not just a flash in the pan. Literally, we've been cut off at more meetings raising issues and questions. And the remarkable thing for me was this last go around of cutting discussion before a vote is taken. Their point is, you can speak at the beginning of a meeting. Well, that's great. But if you're talking about something two hours from now and you've had a robust discussion on it and we want to chime in before you vote, they were going to not allow that. So how could I know what they're going to talk about in two hours? So there was no redress for that. So this idea of, you know, is this going to happen a lot? I actually don't think so. I think by having this, it's going to force in open meetings more listening to the public which is really what the point of this is. Now they can still disagree, mm -hmm. and, and we're not diminishing any of their ability to make whatever decisions, but unfortunately it's happening because there's a consistent and, and persistent behavior by that committee that diminishes public input. Now they will disagree with this, and they will say, I actually heard what they said. They hadn't read this, and they made comments about, well, this could impact popsicle policy. People don't like it. No, it's about things that come in front of the school committee that are serious. And it diminishes, even by saying that, it diminishes what the intent of this is, which is on serious issues that the town cares about, give the opportunity for everyone on both sides to have a voice. And you know, I, whether it passes with the attorney general or not, I think it's important to put this forward as, as sort of a litmus test to the town. And then each committee can do, and if the attorney general shoots it down, but hopefully it's a, it's a sign to them that they need to be more transparent and more engaging with, with the public. And I wish it was different. I wish we didn't have to even raise these issues, but um, I've been cut off a lot. So let's just, you know, and again, I've never been disrespectful to them. I've never been disrespectful in public meetings. I disagree. I'm passionate about what I've said, but, um, but the idea that you can get cut off. And the final thing I'll say, the school building after that bylaw passed the town meeting to, you know, to reconsider, we asked for a public hearing. And what we got was a meeting where we were cut off repeatedly because we didn't control the agenda. So that's a perfect example of, we wanted a public dialogue to talk about this. And we reached out to that committee and we're told, oh, well, you can't have your own private meeting. We're going, no, we want a public meeting that we are free to voice without getting cut off and you're controlling the agenda on a really important topic and we still couldn't get it done. So I'm less hopeful without some kind of teeth behind it. And you know, and again, I don't think if, whether Chris said 25 or 50 or whatever, if there's something that's important to the town, I'm just hoping we have forums to be able to articulate it. So. See, when you're not physically <laughs> present in the room. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any more discussion in the room or is that it? Did you have any? I, I mean, I, I want to hear from the school uh, about this issue. I, I, I listened to, to Mark, and, and I understand that this is problematic legally. Um, you know, the town can, the town meeting can go ahead and uh, opt to pass it, regardless of that fact that it's legally problematic. The idea of, of people being heard is certainly a, a, a good cause, and we should be allowing people to be heard. Um, and I've heard what the Gary and uh, Chris have said about not being heard at the school committee. So, um, so I think that you know this will go to we'll get input from the schools 
from the school committee on this, I'm sure. Is there anything else that we need to do tonight on this, Chris? Um, Pete, can I just make just a note? If you happen to look at the school committee tape from the last meeting, um, just realize that they were never given a copy of the petition in their meeting packet. And so they were talking off the cuff about what their reaction was based on what was told to them at that time the other night. So, and they did not have accurate information uh, which was disturbing, and I was sitting in the audience. I was the only one at the meeting, and I could have clarified it, um, but was really not given the opportunity. So, okay. I, I don't. It's very expected for me here on remote. All of a sudden, Kristen came and rushed at it, so Mike must have uh, increased your mic somehow. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. Can uh, we finish with this issue that everybody? Uh, I don't know if this comment is helpful, but. Right now, I, I agree with Pete. I'd like to kind of hear from the schools on their on their view on this for sure. Um, I would be reluctant to be against what you're trying to promote by way of public speak, you know, public input, and I would be reluctant to be in favor of a, an article that, from a legal standpoint basically is seeking to attack or erode the authority of the school committee, independent of how they operate. Uh, so right now, where I'm at right now is a position of neutrality uh, that just says I, I'm not going to, with what I understand right now, I would not move to try to undermine the authority of the school committee, regardless of what I think of how the school committee is handling public uh, discussion. But I also wouldn't come out and oppose the effort to try to promote more public discussion. So that's sort of where I'm, I'm at right now. It's not final point, but for what it's worth. Are you anything else from you? No, I mean, I, I'm a, a fan of, I support in the spirit of what this is all about. And, and if at the end of the day, at the town meeting, it becomes a discussion so that people can get up at a mic and say what they're for and what they're against, I'm not discrediting what you said, Mark, at all. I, 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 I'm not looking to waste anyone's time, but I think it's a, it's a conversation. It's, it's, it can be a healthy dialogue because we've had a, a rather contentious, this has got nothing to do with what the building of Dale Street versus Willock at all. Just some contentious conversations that have gone on in this town about some decisions that just sprung out of the school. And these are parents that have kids, like the conversations need to be had. So it's not belittling anybody's role but it is reinforcing. I would, I would not want to sit in this chair and have somebody out there feel like I cut them off. I don't want to hear from them. Move on. I, I, that's not what I'm here for. So. Okay. Thanks, Chris. Um, our next item is the 2023 town meeting logistics. Chris, are you gonna... So I just wanted to uh, to give you an update. We all we will be in the gymnasium. Uh, for the annual town meeting, and there will be uh, space available in the library, as we've done in the past, for anybody who is immunocompromised or is a senior and would like to be socially distanced in the library. We will be setting that up as well. So no cafeteria, just no cafeteria can't. right now. We just gym in the library. No Woodstock outside. <coughs> no, I'm I am all set with that. <laughs> uh, that's it. I just wanted to give everybody an update on that. Um, Thank you. Our next item then is the consent agenda. Um, I, actually, I think we have citizens' comment first, 
and Chris had called today to say she wanted to be heard under citizen's comment. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that, you know, I was thinking that was our citizen's comment. <laughs> right, go ahead, Chris, again. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, I just wanted to just bring up, um, you know, as a, again, as I had mentioned earlier, and I've been doing this newsletter now for three years, and I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to make sure that what I write is accurate, that it's based on facts, and hence the reason that I'm always now reaching out to Christine to ask tons of questions and get more information and to get clarification on things. Um, and she sets me straight when I've got something wrong, which is very helpful. Um, and so do other people who um, uh, in this town. Um, but I really, it, I put a lot of pressure on myself to do that. I really care about having things being accurate. Um, so it, it, it upsets me when I come to certain, when I go to certain public meetings and people who are in positions of power are actually saying things that are in, factually inaccurate. Um, and there's really, I don't feel like in those cases that there's any, there's not a sense of responsibility people in these positions to sort of take ownership of it and to correct themselves. I mean, as a matter of course, when I do the newsletter, if I get something wrong, I always run a correction, you know, um, to make sure that people know that it was wrong and I'm correcting it. Um, I think that from a citizen standpoint, when they go to these meetings, they put a lot of faith in our elected officials and rightfully so. I mean, nine times out of 10, you know, everything that's what's said is valid or whatever, but every once in a while, when you hear a comment being made that you know for a fact it's not factually correct, um, it's just upsetting. It almost, I feel like as part of the goals for this town, we should be trying to impart upon our towns, our boards and committees um, to try their best to um, back up what they, what they say with, with documentation or um, at a minimum bring an expert in um, to to comment. Um, I'll give you an example. This recent discussion on the private wells, um, there were comments made about that, that it would have taken two seconds for anybody to go to the executive office of, what's the name of it? Sorry. Executive Office of Energy and Environmental Affairs um, to see that they specifically advocate for measures to control private wells. Um, and yet, we had people who spoke up representing town boards who s said the opposite at, at, at one, I'm not gonna call out a particular meeting, but there was a comment made that was completely factually inaccurate. Um, and the person who said it really didn't have any, any professional knowledge to be able to say that. And the discussion that happened as part of that was all based on not having any of this factual information. So it was just, you know, it was just, again, sitting there saying, where's the opportunity for somebody to raise their hand and say, that's not correct, or that's not true. Um, you know, and I also think that with that particular article, um, that it's really the Board of Health that has the full authority to regulate. It's not the Water and Sewer Board, but with private wells, it's the Board of Health that has the authority to, um, if, if, if they see a health issue with with um, droughts and public health issues, they do have the, the authority to be able to call, um, call restrictions. Um, and that wasn't, you know, Board of Water Sewer really doesn't have any jurisdiction over private wells, Board of Health does. Um, so there's just things like that um, 
So I just wanted to, to mention that. So. Next item is the consent agenda. <laughs> Medfield food covered with pressed post signs in the usual locations from May 8 to 14, advertising their Stamp Out Hunger poster food drive. Uh, next, New Life Furniture Bank requests to place signs advertising their annual 5K trail run at the State Hospital at the usual locations from April 29 to May 13. And finally, the Gazebo Players of Medfield request place sandwich boards at the intersection of North and Main. Advertising the 21st Summer of Shakespeare in the Park from July 17 to July 30. Oh, there's a, uh, another one. Uh, one day liquor license for St. Edward's uh, Church on May 13 from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. You know, if that last one is is that liquor or beer and wine, just out of curiosity, they can actually can have liquor as a nonprofit. They can have okay. alcohol. So it doesn't matter. My issue is what day of the week is that? Saturday. Oh, Saturday? I know, it's Sunday. As long as it's not a Sunday, it probably isn't, but it's just before noon, that's my only concern. Uh, it's a Saturday. Okay. Yeah. A nonprofit can have a one day for all alcohol. Yeah. Do we have a motion to approve the consent agenda? Um, motion to approve the consent agenda. Second. Mr. Murphy. Aye. Ms. Murphy. Aye. I'm an eye as well. Uh, meeting minutes. Um, I haven't had a chance to look at those, I'm afraid. So maybe we'll hold on those. Town administrator. I, I think it's the only one who's squared away on that. I haven't looked at them either. So. And I did the first week, so that's okay. okay. <laughs> uh, just a couple of things tonight under town administrator updates. Um, one, we have a town meeting coming up on May 1st. I'm just going to keep saying that to everybody. Um, uh, we got great news today. Uh, Brittany found out we are celebrating our 10 year anniversary of being approved for Tree City, uh, which is great news. So we're hoping for some updated signage uh, that should be coming in the mail to us. Um, keep your eye out this weekend. Your warrant report should be in your mailboxes and rumor has it they are Medfield Blue this year. Nice. Just a rumor, we'll see. Um, and the other thing I'm pleased to report is the planning board has filed their Medfield State Hospital approval with the town clerk today. So things are moving forward. Yep. That's it Thank for this you. evening. You're welcome. Um, next meeting, uh, May 1, is the annual town meeting, and then on May 8 and May 13, the select board is meeting. Uh, Mr. Murphy, select board reports. Uh, yeah, just just on the topic of the town meeting. So, on, like this article, we still have a few articles we haven't voted on, but mm -hmm. this will probably this is our last meeting before the first. So, anything that we haven't voted on yet, we won't have voted on. You will we have will a heard. short meeting both, just before. Just before. Yeah, just before. So we might, yeah. Okay. but in the warrant report, uh, you're listed as will be heard. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I had uh, last week was busy. The, the planning board meeting. The final one on uh, April, which the only thing that was left to do was for us to approve the affordable housing paperwork, which we did in our meeting on uh, Tuesday, and the uh, and, th and then on top of that went to the school strategic planning visioning 
or, or focus group meeting, which was interesting. Uh, and then following that, the warrant committee and, uh, and select board meeting. Uh, Chris, I'm not sure which of those discussions you were talking about with the Wells, but I actually thoroughly enjoyed the warrant committee's discussion of the Wells. And the thing that I did, there's enough, there's enough conservative in me that I actually appreciated hearing warrant committee members talk about private property and the, and the limits of state control over private property. So the issue of what's an aquifer and what ties in and what matters, those things were all technical issues, but it was kind of nice to hear the deliberation. It's probably the closest I felt like I've been at a public meeting that was something like what Thomas Jefferson and John Adams would have had that uh, I've been to in a long, long time. So I actually thought that, I, I just was impressed with the thoughtfulness they had. Uh, on Wednesday, the Norfolk County Advisory Board had their meeting where they presented their budget for the, the, for the county budget, uh, which I'm slowly coming up the learning curve on uh, because it takes a while to learn how budgets are work and theirs is the county works a little bit better. Having been to several of the Norfolk County Advisory Board meetings now, so there's representatives from all the towns in Norfolk County form the advisory board, uh, and it's an advisory board, but the, the commissioners are there. I have to say, I, when I went into it, I because the county is such an amorphous, unknown, we don't see it, uh, I sort of came in with low expectations for what I was going to find at the county level. And my reaction in the times that I've seen, the, at least at the advisory board meetings I've been to, I've actually been impressed with our general county officials, how they do things. They're, they're way too polite to all of us in terms of, you know, just how deferential they are in terms of listening to people. There's a lot, and the people that are on the advisory board coming from individual towns aren't afraid to go and throw stuff back in their face if there's issues. So for what it's worth for anybody who, like me, didn't know a whole lot about Norfolk County and how it was run, I actually have been increasingly more impressed with how our county government works as I've understood a little bit more of what they're all about. So. Uh, I've actually started to really enjoy it. It was like, these guys are actually thoughtful and they're, they're doing a good job. There's plenty of controversy up there. If anybody who's following the Register Deeds, you'll know there's plenty of controversy. That's, so it's not all smooth sailing, but I've actually been impressed. It's a, uh, with the just general caliber of, of the people there and how they run things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, they're probably partly because their budget for this coming year was pretty modest in its growth. and. As a former Warren Committee member, I like modest growth of budget, so that was also good. And I think that's all I had for uh, that's it. All right. So I trailed you on quite a few of those. So the planning board meeting was uh, very good last Monday night. Um, and then the Warrant Committee meeting, um, I, I will echo your sentiment. And I, I give Steve Callan so much credit. He pulled me aside and he was apologizing. I'm like, oh my goodness, there's no apologies. It was a healthy discussion. I will never, everyone has a right to their opinion. And I thought there was really good dialogue back and forth. So no problem whatsoever. And that conversation is long overdue. So I was thrilled we finally had it. Um, And then I thought the strategic planning session, um, again, good dialogue in that. Um, The gentleman that hosted it did a really nice job. Uh, Last Thursday night, we had the affordable housing trust meeting. 
Um, Kathy Boyle had a chance to present the uh, feedback from the survey that she conducted. I think they uh, surveyed about 78 families in and around the Boston area, excuse me, in and around Medfield. Um, and I believe, and I, maybe Brittany knows the answer to this, if the presentation that Kathy shared, if we have that on file anywhere? I'll have to find out. Because if we could post that, I found it really helpful. Um, we also have found uh, a couple of pieces of property in town that we uh, will continue to explore for both uh, one piece of property would be for a Habitat for Humanity home, and then a other one would be for the group home, or, or we called it a supported home. Um, and that has to do with the legalities of whether it's uh, uh, acknowledged by the state or more of a private entity. So support home is more of a private entity, um, but really good. I thought great conversation. And I feel like we're getting some momentum behind um, getting closer to being able to build a Habitat for Humanity home and even that much closer to um, getting a, a group home here in the, the town of Medfield. Uh, and then I actually just saw your reply. So the letter, and I do just want to acknowledge this in public that Linda Donovan sent a letter to the Board of Selectmen to a variety of groups in town about some concerns that have been going on with the fence between uh, her, the road in in her development and abutting <coughs> Field Meadows. So I just saw you forward that to Gary. So I'm glad we're just acknowledging that. So, mm -hmm. so as, a, as a citizen, she knows that that just didn't fall down a well. Can you send me a copy of that? Because I've been driving by there I've, I've talked to mm -hmm. Donovan's a number of times. I finally saw the gate go up on the first day I saw it, it was closed. The second day it was open. And every time I've driven by since it's been open. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually think aside from Gary, it's probably Chief Carrico. There's an issue, there's a dispute there around whether the gate gets locked from the outside so that if the fire trucks need to get in, they can unlock the gate or whether the gate is locked on the inside so that if people want to open the gate to get out that way they can get out. Uh, but I think the proper purpose of that lock was to allow the fire department to have access. Uh, and that was not how it was set up before the gate came down. Yes, and uh, I met with Gary this afternoon. He okay. is headed out there uh, tomorrow and he will contact the developer and they will start addressing it. Some of it is we're getting towards the end and a lot of the landscaping has not been finalized, um, but we will address that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. I mean, and the owner of the development, I mean, this is where I'm concerned. I want to make sure that people who want to come and build in Medfield, build all you want, just follow the rules. And if you're abutting Medfield residents, we just want to respect that. So uh, I'm sure I have 100% faith in Gary that he'll take care of it. But thank you for acknowledging that. Chris, there are also some very serious flooding issues there at Donovan's property. Have those been resolved? Uh, Gary will deal with the developer on that, and Mo will address it when he gets back from uh, his conference. Yeah. Anything else on that? Uh, no, that should do it. Thank you. All right. I was at the uh, planning board hearing on the Trinity Financial uh, Hospital Project. I was also at the school's strategic planning focus group. In addition to those, I was at the Medfield Foundation's Legacy Fund Pitch It event where the four groups uh, uh, asked for uh, grant money from the foundation, which will be in there in the process of deciding that tonight. So I can schedule tonight to make those decisions. And I also attended the Energy Committee meeting after the uh, Pitch It ended. Uh, and that's it for me. Um, Chris, actions taken on bills and warrants for payments? 
There were none. Anything there that we should have? Nope. It's available. Motion to adjourn. Second. Mr. Murphy. Aye. Mr. Peterson. Aye. Thank you for letting me participate. We're happy.